2: Mic check, check one, check two. Are we here? All right, we're here right now-ish. Hey, just a heads up. Before we get started, I want you to know that this story talks about sex trafficking of minors.
0: Different plantation, same evil brew. Rape, oppression, family displacement, sold for economic gain, annihilated and torn asunder. The spirit of massa has just morphed into the soul of a pimp, who now utilizes a street corner, a brothel, a motel room, and the internet as a finely tuned for-profit, present-day version of the old slave auction block, yes, once upon a time, is still here. Is still here. My name is Regina Evans. I am a native of Oakland, California. What you heard was a part of Act Three of 52 Letters. When I do that act, like all the black people in the audience, it's the amen part. Like people become very vocal.
2: Peace, y'all. Welcome to the Right Nowish podcast. I'm your host, Pendarvis Harshaw. What you just heard was the poetic words of Regina Evans. And as you've observed, Regina's not one to hold back on her work. Today, I have the honor of speaking to her about what she does, not just on stage, but behind the scenes and in the streets. See, Regina's on a mission to end sex trafficking of minors, and she spends a lot of her time in East Oakland, specifically on International Boulevard, also known as e one Fo or East 14th, or The Blade, The Track, or so many other names. That's where Regina, with the assistance of a few friends, creates altars for the young women. She calls them her beloveds. It's an effort to put benevolent energy into a place that she feels could use it. And Regina is clear, her work is not a savior's mission, Nah, it's a matter of simply being present. And from that, it opens up a dialogue. Part of that discussion shows up in the work that Regina does in the theater. For instance, one of her latest works, which we just heard a part of, is the play 52 Letters. It's a one-hour monologue on trafficking.
0: It's basically a wake-up call, a poetic wake-up call. It's like a ball of fire. Today,
2: we're discussing how art and life are one. We'll get to that in a few.
1: while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support.
2: Regina, I wanted to ask you, because I figured you could do it better than I could,
0: how do you identify yourself? So my foundation is as a poet, and I was a poet as a very young child. And everything literally that I've done has sprung forth from this, it's like a garden of letters. Because when I started my journey into being an abolitionist in the fight against child sex trafficking, I was like, I'm gonna write a play, I'm a poet. Shakespeare was a poet. (laughs) Shakespeare wrote plays, I can do it. I bend the alphabet and I bend words, but I do it on purpose. I'm a letter bender. I make up words, I pull apart words, I put them back together. I use periods and commas and hyphens inappropriately, but it's purposeful. Words are so beautiful, but the words are fire.
2: 52 Letters, one of your more recent plays, you said that it's a ball of fire. I heard you talk about it uh, in a brief video where uh, you mentioned that one of the attendees of the play said it was a bit much. And what was your response to them?
0: It was a gentleman. He, When I got off stage and I went out to greet the audience, he said, did you write that? And I said, yes. And he said, it's almost too much. And my response to it was, well, you just got an hour of an idea of a young kid who's being trafficked 24-7. You just got a glimpse of it. So give thanks, (laughs) give thanks for her pain, give thanks for her tears, that you get to be a a witness just by sitting on the other side of a fourth wall. It's It's an interesting thing when you talk about trafficking because people often don't get it. It's almost like talking about past day slavery. People are like, yeah, it was terrible. It was really bad. But do we really think about it? Do you think about the day to day? Do you think about how your fingers felt picking the cotton? What about the feet, the cracks in the feet? We say that it's bad, it's inhumane, but we're not thinking about the day-to-day, the minute of what a child is having to endure. That's what makes words and plays so powerful because you can bring that to the person and so they can then feel it
2: it's all in the details. And that's where you you see eye to eye with the human experience. And I I totally recognize that as a storyteller, there's so much power in details. How do you go about observing and and bringing in these details? Where do you pull that from?
0: You know, I use a lot of my own story, the feel of my own story, the feel of what it felt like when I'm healing. I asked a couple of other people if I could use bits of their story. And then spirit, so I mixed it all together. It's not something that I'm writing or talking about that I don't know what that intensity or what the pain of it actually feels like. Any survivors of an injustice holds a particular and intimate knowledge of that injustice just because we've been so close to it. We know how it moves, we know how it smells. We know the wink of the eye or how the eyes move. We know all of those little things. That's why survivors are important for any social justice movement, because we know the intimacies of it.
2: Social justice, as well as journalism, you you want to get to the primary source. You want to get to the people who've experienced it. What does your abolition work look like right now in 2020?
0: My work is historical and now at the same time, because this is not a revisit. This is a continuation. The black female womb has been commodified since we hit these shores. Where has it stopped? There's a a quote from Frederick Douglass and he says something like, slavery has called itself many names and it will again call itself by many names. And you and I and all of us had better wake up and listen so that we can see how the snake is going to rear its head again. And so here we are calling it a different
2: name. I went to the taco spot. Shout out Taco Sinaloa on on 22nd and East 14th, right? They were just about to close the taco spot. It's like late night. And I was just amazed at the amount of people out there working. So it, what what's going on on East 14th right now?
0: Ooh, East 14th right now is lit. When the pandemic hit, like I thought, You know, I wouldn't see as many Beloveds out. And that was not the case. There were so many girls out. Um, Because I've been going out on the track for a long time. It was just wild. Not only the amount of young Beloved, but the feel, the atmosphere. (sighs) And, you know, I never carry condoms with me. But the amount of young Beloved who were like, do you have condoms? And I was like, oh, shoot. Yeah, I need to have condoms for them. Sarai Mazariego's from Shea. She started bringing condoms and stuff, and now we put condoms on the the altars.
2: Paint the picture for me. What do these altars look like?
0: You know, I'd put candy and stuff in there and make them really pretty. Always use a lot of fabric, write them letters and put them in there. And then I put up these signs that say, you are beloved, you are beautiful, sign the queendom. I do that all up and down the track. I've been building altars on the track for a very, very long time because it was a thing that I could do without, you know, approaching the beloved. And as I was building them, I'd be like, I love you, I see you, you're not forgotten, you're not alone. And then when the pandemic hit, I had a dream. And in the dream I saw the track it was like a garden and I woke up and I was like whoa what was that and I was like oh shoot we got to build a garden on the track <laughs> like that and so then I just like called in all my friends and people came out like strong so what they look like are lots of plants um, leafy plants and then we also use succulents and we also embed the altars with PPE mass hand sanitizers People leave food and water. The main purpose is just to leave beauty and love. Talk to survivors and survivor leaders, and so many of us will say, you all saw us, but you didn't do anything. You didn't even say hi. You did nothing. And so this is a measure that just is like we just, we see you.
2: And you're still answering the spiritual calling. That, that stands out above everything else. Yes. You speak of you know visions coming to you in your dreams. You talk about this is the work you've been called to do, and you're answering the call. What is the end goal?
0: So the end goal is no trafficking. <sighs> I ask this question at the end of my play when I do 52 letters. I say, what would you do if you knew a child was being trafficked? And I let people think about it. And then I say, what would you do if your child was being trafficked? We don't see that these children are our children. So trying to make the connection that these are all of our children. You know, I I don't understand how we don't view them through the lens of our own heart. or the eyes of our own souls. They deserve to be cradled and that they deserve to be held by us with all that we are. I am somebody's baby. I'm somebody's child and it's past time for you to lay your life upon the ark of justice, for your notes of mercy to float forth from your throat on my behalf. I am somebody's baby, I'm somebody's child. Can you not see that I'm drowning in the brutalizing place of fear? Do your ears not perceive the tears that drip from my heart yearning to be released from the clutches of hell that have become my prison? Can you not smell the loss of hope that pervades my world from being shoved into a corner a specialized terror. Let me tell you something. You listen. I am somebody's baby. I'm somebody's child. And I want you to look me in my eyes and speak to me that I'm not worthy to have the warmth of your being wrap itself across my lonely soul. Tell me that my life is not worthy enough for you to risk your life for me. I'm somebody's baby. I'm somebody's child.
2: Regina Evans, thank you. Thank you for your craft and for your time. For you out there who like to keep up with the many things that Regina is doing, I'd suggest following her on Twitter, at Echo Justice, all one word, Echo, like the noise, justice, like what we need. And special thanks to our listener, Robin Levinson, who suggested that we chat with Regina for this episode. Thank you, thank you, thank you to my production team, that's Asala poor, editors Jessica Plachik and Kiana Mogadam, and our engineer, Rob Spate. Our engagement team is Lena Blanco, Sarah Paneda, and Vita Kong. And the higher ups at KQED are Erica Aguilar, David Marcus, and Holly Kernan. Oh, one last thing. I need a favor. It's for you, our listeners, to take KQED's audience survey. It's so that we can learn more about you and what you want to hear from our podcast. Check it out at kqed.org podcastsurvey I'm your host, Pendarvis Harshaw. Y'all be well. Right Now-ish is a KQED production. Hey, what's up? I'm Pendarvis Harshaw, the host of KQED's Right Nowish podcast. Donations keep independent journalism alive and healthy, and you support outstanding journalism when you support KQED. So, if you haven't yet, check out donate.kqed.org/podcast. That's donate.kqed.org/podcast.